The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. the show you're listening to rail sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix living like it matters what matters to me today well i think there's a pretty clear championship picture in front of us in terms of who will be playing for the nfc championship and who will be playing for the afc championship that is pretty clear what is not clear but matters to me is that Judge Anita Brody, I think that's her name, out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is a little bit unclear as to if there is enough financial resources available to compensate those who should be compensated as participants in the National Football League as it relates to concussions. Wow. That certainly matters to me. I think that was a wake-up call to a lot of people I think perhaps maybe some people could have been blindsided by her report as it came back, or at least her analysis of what the settlement truly would represent in terms of what amount of resources would be there to facilitate medical services and evaluations and financial compensation to athletes, former pro football players. The judge said, hold on, time out. Not ready to do it. And uh, I, I, think that's, I, I think that's, when you think about it, I really think it's fair. Because the, the proof has to be in black and white. It has to be in writing. You can't just tell me that the amount of money of which you've put aside is enough. You have to demonstrate to me and spell it out and show it to me. You got actuaries, you got, you know, got all those real brilliant people as it relates to uh, numbers and math. Okay, put it in writing, show it to me, very detailed, every individual, how you plan to compensate them, how you plan to service them. I think that's extremely important. And, and the court of law, once it's a settlement is made, it's the law and it's been agreed upon. And if there's somebody who's supposed to assess that and, and find out if indeed, based upon the level of expertise that they have to assist them, to make a true assessment of this is a good deal for those people who think they're getting a, a good deal, I, I think that's worthy of her saying, time out. 
let's let's check this thing out. I'll tell you one thing that's really important to me as, as one of those individuals who was, who was actually involved in this case is uh, I got a piece of literature from uh, Jeff Nixon. Shout out to my good brother up there in, in Buffalo, Jeff Nixon. And, uh, you know, Jeff does a great column that he, that he writes many times. You should check out his blog. Jeff Nixon is a former safety for the Buffalo Bills. But uh, Jeff brought into question something I've been wondering about for a long time, and that is that when you have these class action lawsuits and, and you have a settlement that is agreed upon, and, there's, and then there's an allocation uh, that, that the judge determines that the legal fees will be paid. Well, there are some players out there, and I'm just speaking from some conversations. I'm, I'm letting you in on some conversations, some concerns that players have had. And they've spoken about the fact that, okay, uh, it, this was contingent uh, upon us winning. And, and, and if that's the case, if we won something, and it's some type of financial reward, that the attorney's fees would be, again, absorbed by, you know, the reward, taken out of the reward. But if the judge now says that the legal fees will be paid by the NFL, then that means that nothing comes out of that individual's compensation, his financial compensation. That's a gray area. That's something that a lot of players want the judge to also look into that a little deeper and and give a true understanding of how they should be should they be actually, if they got a reward, a financial reward, whatever it was, six figures, five figures, you know, four figures, should they pay a percentage of that to their attorneys? Or is she going to stipulate that no, none of the resources, financial resources that goes directly to a player, are there any legal fees to come out of that because all of that is to be taken care of by the NFL? So it's an interesting day. And that's what's important to me is that you know, I want to get, because it's not just for me. I'm just one individual. I, when I use this platform here to get a message across, it's a unified message. It's a unified question. Other people have that same question and said to me, Ray, why, why don't you take that to the airways and see what other people think about that? By the way, 888-346-9144. I'm sorry, 9144 in the event that you would like to call in. Of course, today uh, we're getting closer and closer to those NFC and AFC championship games, which means we're getting closer and closer, closer to the Super Bowl. And that's, man, there's nothing bigger. New York City, the biggest stage in the world for the biggest game in the world. I'm excited about it, although it's not really going to be in New York City. We all know, of course, it's going to be across the bridge in New Jersey. And I think those people in New Jersey are a little bit upset about the fact that everybody thinks the Super Bowl is going to be in New York. Particularly those people who don't live in the United States of America, they may think the game is actually going to be played in New York. But it is going to be in New Jersey. But I'll tell you what is going to be in New York, and that is the player networking event will be in New York. And this uh, may be, if I'm not mistaken, it probably is the first time that the player networking event will be in New York City, but it will be the 14th annual event of the player networking event that every year when you show up at the Super Bowl, you should expect, if you're a player, to spend some time at the player networking event. It's for you. For those of you who aspire one day to be players, you should inquire. When you're asking players about different things and and different things that they engage in throughout the year, if you listen to the show, ask them, have you ever heard about the player networking event? And if they say no to you, give me a call here. I'll make sure that I give them a call and I'll educate them because there's nothing better and none better to facilitate the need of those who are transitioning from professional football into the real world, if you will, uh, than Guy Troop. 
And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Guy should be on the line with me. Guy, are you there? I'm here, Worry. Happy New Year. Well, yeah, it's been a good one so far, and I've, I've been, uh, you know, happy thus far. I'm a little sad about, of course, about Philadelphia Eagles, you know, got bumped out of the playoff uh, run very early. Uh, but I, I think we're in a position now where I think America, even though America's team is not being represented in these playoffs, America should be happy where we are now as it relates to what's happening on the field. There's been some good football games, and certainly there are going to be uh, some tremendous championship games uh, this weekend. I'm sure you get a chance at least to take a little bit of time to watch those games, Guy. Yes, sir. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, uh, I can sit on the couch and relax a little bit and, uh, you know, maybe even do what Peyton Manning wanted to do after his victory this past week. Well, I, let me just say this. I, I know one thing that, that Peyton wasn't too happy about, and, and I know this is kind of near and dear to you because it's a young man of which you've uh, worked with very early in his life, in his professional life as an athlete, and that's our good friend Chris Harris. I believe Chris is not going to be playing this week as a result of uh, an ACL injury. Am I correct in saying that? That's correct. Uh, I checked on Chris this morning, and uh reached out to uh, a couple of his advisors as well as his wife, and uh, he's resting comfortably in relatively good spirits given what, what's happened. And interestingly enough, you know, he said it, uh, you know, it's definitely an ACL, but it's not even swollen. So really interesting how injury uh, can impact someone, and uh, I think all of our perception might be that when you when you go down with an ACL, that you're in a tremendous amount of pain and you have a lot of swelling. But uh, Chris is trying to find a good doctor and decide to uh, when to have the surgery. He's hopeful that he'll have it um, soon so he can uh, still make the P&E. So he, he's one of our featured uh, businesses, the Chris Harris Jr. Foundation. Uh, in partnership with our best private banking, a, a bank owned by the Walton family out of Arkansas, uh, most notably known for uh, Walmart. And um, we're, we're excited to have Chris. Uh, Chris has been to the PNE, I think, going on his third year now. Every year since his rookie year, he, he's gone. He's, he's seen the value. He participated in our personal branding competition uh, just last year. Yeah, a young man of which I, I took notice to. Uh, when he walked in the door, I mean, Chris is, of course, uh, an outstanding cornerback for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, not the biggest man in the world. Kind of reminds me of one of my old teammates, uh, Frank Manyfield, in terms of his size and stature. But uh, the, the grit that the man has fears nothing, fears no man, loves the game of football, plays the game very recklessly. And, and I certainly hope that he has a, a recovery process that uh, he can expedite that process and, and get back to playing football. But, but Chris is one of those unique individuals that I know you've been seeking out, Guy, uh, but he's unique in the sense that he understood uh, that football could possibly end sooner than expected. And it's best that he start preparing himself for that transition. And as you said, Chris has been to P&E for the last two years for sure. And there's a chance he may be there uh, again this year. But uh, I think he's the type of individual that you wish you had more of those who started focusing on their career transition a little earlier in life. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important. One of the primary purposes of the P&E is to teach players the value of networking while they, they're still involved, while they still have relationships with celebrity football. Like most sports, is a 
is a thankless job once you you can no longer make plays. So the way that athletes uh, leave college, the way that athletes leave the pros, it's incumbent upon them to see the value in developing legitimate relationships, uh, moving away from a transactional mind frame, but uh, into a more relational mind frame. And Chris uh, and his, his Chris's team has advised. Hey, guy, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. We're going to have to take a break. I got a little music in my ear. But when we come back with us is going to be Robert Wynn. Robert is the president of Pro Squared, which is an official sponsor of PNE. We'll be back. We'll bring Robert into the conversation. We'll continue to talk about that. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I have Guy Troop with me from Troop 21, who... 
produces the player networking event. Been doing that for the past uh, 14 years. We anticipate, uh, I thought he was on the line, but he is not there. He will be calling in. And that is Robert Wynn, who is the president of Pro Squared, which is an official sponsor of this year's player networking event. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Guy, and I, of course, look forward to uh, to Robert uh, giving us some background himself, but, but he is also... Uh, working with an organization un- under the umbrella of uh, Pro Square, which is the Athlete Development Institute. So look forward to that. But but you were talking a little bit more and and, and letting the audience know a little bit more uh, in depth about the player networking event. So if if you want to finish that, please go right ahead. I was really just summarizing uh, that Chris Chris Harris, his foundation was going to be present and uh, as an active player. That's really uh, admirable for him to uh, understand the need to brand himself as a good corporate citizen, uh, having the uh, foresight to start a foundation uh, with partnered with Harvest Bank that's going to really teach him how to endow it and keep it living um, beyond uh, his playing career. So generally, athletes uh, are, are pushed out of football, you know, at four-year clips, high school, college, and pro. So that's the nature of the business. And it's uh, it's always good to see an athlete that understands the numbers and, and takes advantage of, of the relationships he can develop. And, and God, I think sometimes when people listen to this show in particular, and you and I talk about the player networking event, I think sometimes, you know, we get a chance to kind of pull the veil back and for them to understand that, that players are human beings. And, and sometimes they're, they're faced with the same challenges, particularly emotional challenges, that the everyday human being is faced with. Let's talk about somebody like, like Chris. Have you found out that an athlete, perhaps, who may be at the top of his game and riding very high, and, and they find themselves in a situation where they're, they're dealing with an injury, an unexpected injury, but even though we say that it can happen on any play, any given day, we really hope and pray that it doesn't. Have you found that when those things happen, even though a player could possibly be in a position that he is preparing himself for that, is, is that an emotional setback for them that affects not only you know, how they approach the game itself, but does it also affect their preparation for that transition once that happens? Uh, well, I was never fortunate enough to be in your shoes and play professional football. I always played as an amateur and and uh, was never paid for, but I'm certain that the element of financial security it always enters into an athlete's mind uh, when he's being paid to play. And so the spending habits and the way that he's lived thus far and what an injury, uh, how an injury might impact uh, that and the future is, is always but I, always present. But I, I think just having played organized sports, having talked to athletes over the years, uh, I think there's, there's no doubt that all injuries play a toll on an athlete emotionally, even if you can't be out there at practice with your teammates, you feel a little helpless and hopeless. Uh, if you're not able to play in the big games, you, you're disappointed. And uh, all of those tied to the emotional mindset of an athlete. Yeah, and, and the reason why I ask is because, again, I want people to understand that, you know, you've taken a holistic approach to dealing with with, with, with athletes. And, and many times I address them as student-athletes because 
many times we have a lot of listeners that that are student athletes and and then there becomes a point in time where they become professional athletes and and that's their almost some of them becomes a singular focus and, and and we want them to understand that it's important to them that even the injuries uh you know just like the team does it when when a player goes down another man must step up and and when there's an injury even though you know uh, at least on the football field, uh, you won't play the next play. Uh, we have to understand that you still are preparing for life after football. So you, you can't, even though you've got to do the rehabilitation, you still got to continue to, to um, make sure you're putting time into your transition and, and don't give up on that just because now you're injured. And that's what I'm hoping some guys understand that, you know, the injury sometimes uh, it's, it's, not, it's never a good thing, but it's really not a bad thing because it then does take a greater percentage of your focus if you do it the right way off of just football and make you think, man, life without football is sneaking up on me and maybe I need to spend more time in preparing for my transition. So that, that holistic approach, guy, uh, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, uh, whether it's the business aspect of that transition, uh, those people in the office who may be running the business when a player's not there, they, they may have to understand that this may be accelerated. He may be the CEO in the seat uh, next year as opposed to uh, you know watching from the sidelines uh, because he's playing football. Right, without a doubt, and uh, I think we can credit all of the those in decision making positions in the sport of football for now understanding that this uh, gladiator is a human being that requires uh, full development, and it's not just the physical. Uh, or the mental aspects of, of game preparation, but it's the physical and intellectual, emotional, social, and uh, spiritual components that, that all matter in, in how someone uh, succeeds or fails in, in a given endeavor. Well, again, like I wanted to make sure I brought it to everybody's attention, and he just elaborated so eloquently there that there are various aspects of an individual's life that's important for him to focus on in order for him to be successful in his transition. But as we said, uh, we were going to be joined by uh, by one of our uh, sponsors of P&E, and that's Robert Wynn, and Robert is the president of ProSquare. And uh, Robert also, under ProSquare, they have the Athlete Development Institute, and Robert has joined us. Hello. Robert, I'm Ray Ellis. Welcome to the show. Uh, Robert, we're looking forward to you uh, being, of course, there with us in New York City at the Player Networking event, and, and and hopefully you're looking forward to that opportunity as well. I'm very much looking forward to it. I really support what Guy Troop is doing through the Players Networking event. Uh, it's so much that uh, players can do for themselves when they get exposed to the right sorts of uh, people and opportunities, and they understand what they have to do internally uh, just as they do on the field, uh, they have to exert the same kind of uh, strategic effort off the field to prepare themselves for the really the lion's share of their life, which is uh, post-athletics. Uh, and Robert, it's interesting you, you say that because you mentioned strategically because I, I'm a person that I've always felt looking back upon my life and even uh, as my life was unfolding in front of me, uh, there are things in, in life that are introduced to us at the appropriate age, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. as it relates to one's career, and, and particularly when you're talking about 
financial literacy and, and, and education as it relates to, to business. How early in life are, are you interested in, in starting your relationship with these players? And how early in life should these players expect to start getting some financial literacy education and understanding, you know, how you support a business or how you fund a business or how you acquire funding for businesses? Where should that start at? I think that's a great question. Uh, we started Pro Squared about three years ago, and right now we're focused on both current professional athletes as well as uh, retired professional athletes just because that's the space that uh, seems to fit for our startup uh, strategy. But we in no way think that's the place that people should really start getting the background and the knowledge and the exposure, that's an important word, for uh, preparing themselves for uh, their business uh, career or whatever career they're going to have later on. I've spent most of my time working in the nonprofit space uh, focused on an organization which I started uh, about 14 years ago uh, that really uh, is concentrating on financial literacy for youth, whether they play sports or not, really, at the middle school level and on into the high school level. So uh, there are teams that really need to be sequenced, I'd say, from, from the cradle on up. In other words, I'm old school, and uh, I've been struck by the number of young people I talk to or mothers of children, and I ask if they have a piggy bank, and they don't even have a piggy bank if they're under five. I think they need to have that. There's nothing wrong with a young person having a bank account. Uh, they may have to have their parent or guardian to sign on to it when they're in elementary school or certainly middle school, and uh, they need to understand the process of going to the bank. Statistics will say that in the inner city, about 50% of the households don't even have bank accounts anymore. And that's our first connection to, uh, you know, what I call mainstream money management. So uh, there's a lot of things that can be done through exposure at the earlier ages and then really beginning on, begin to get on a track for understanding just some basics regarding uh, uh, what we call basic economic concepts, like uh, prices fluctuate based on uh, consumer demand, and then they need to you know, move on in to understand that uh, they can be entrepreneurs and that the old uh, paradigm of holding a job for 30 years does not apply anymore, so individuals have to have marketable skills. They also have to have entrepreneurial skills to go out and not just use the expression, make things happen, but literally, they have to make things happen in their lives. It takes skills, preparation, and uh, some strategic planning and guidance to make that happen. Now, uh, Bob, I, I heard you mention a little bit about your background as it relates to uh, nonprofits. Now, let me ask you, in terms of the responsibility and obligation in order to, to help facilitate the improvement of knowledge of, as it relates to financial literacy, is, is, do you see that as the responsibility of the parent? Is that the parent's responsibility or is that the, the educational system that perhaps I mean, is letting us down? Because it's not, I'm not sure if it's just an athletic problem. I know you've got a solution geared towards athletics, but is, is, that some, is the educational system letting our kids down as well? Right. Uh, I think that's a really interesting question, and I'm thinking about answering it differently than I, I normally would. And that is to say that it's not being done in the way it should be done. So I really think it is 
a community's responsibility. Uh, the reason I got involved with uh, financial education and economic empowerment for athletes is because I began to read the legion of stories from Sports Illustrated to any number of individual athletes that we could all name who seemingly ran into financial uh, trouble, uh, really surprisingly, given the fact of how much guaranteed money some of them have made. So when I began to just see so much of that, um, I felt like we just got to do something. So um, when something isn't being done, I don't know if it's constructive to try to sit back and say it's someone else's responsibility if those individuals are not or if those uh, institutional representatives are not doing what they should be doing. And I'm not really casting aspersions on anybody else. I'm just simply saying it's not being done to the degree it should be because we've all seen the outcomes and we've all read the statistics. So when something isn't being done and it's, it's to the detriment of a community, I say it's the community. And so that by that I really mean um, some mothers and fathers, you know, don't, have the background or the wherewithal to really teach what needs to be taught. And uh, some school teachers don't really have that background, and they're not backed by school district policy that's going to emphasize finances or money management. So uh, I think that if we do have uh, business and community leaders that understand how this lack of knowledge is uh, playing to the detriment of the overall economy and society at large, which it really is, it hasn't been adequately documented by original research the way it really should be, but those who understand the uh, full range of, of, uh, of what makes the elements of economic development, we know that there's waste occurring and that it's not being done uh, in the way it could be. We could harness uh, the wherewithal of athletes in a constructive um business-minded way. So that's a long way of answering, saying I think it's community and business leaders' responsibility to begin to shape an infrastructure that at this point I say does not exist. And, um, and the United States and uh, the world in general continues to evolve. So there's no one to say that we need to freeze frame the infrastructure that we have right now as a matter of fact, we need to do the opposite, and that is to continue to morph and evolve the uh, infrastructure and the support services that get in place that are really going to make the difference and the impact that we ought to have long term. Now, that, they may, that may have been a, a long answer, but I certainly enjoyed listening uh, to those comments that you just made. Uh, my wife happens to be an environmentalist, and, and obviously uh, the majority of people, when they think about uh, an environmentalist, they always think about recycle and uh, throw the bottles out and you know make sure that we use the bottles over again, we use the cans over again. But you mentioned financial literacy. You mentioned waste. And I truly believe that uh, there is a tremendous amount of waste uh, that goes ignored as it relates to the economic power that athletes have. And I, when you talk about communities, I, I, I myself, who have also worked in a nonprofit, I know what those resources could do to those communities, provided they were not wasted. That's and, exactly right. And that's actually why I got uh, involved with uh, financial education for athletes 
because uh, the work we do on the community level uh, is suffering. I mean, I could bore you with uh, the financial needs of several uh, middle school and high school kids that we're working with right now in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. One of them dropped out of their uh, private school that we had gone through great lengths to get in place uh, because the tuition is 40000 and we did leverage 30000 in scholarships, but uh, in the community we're trying to raise 10000 and yet you'll hear these uh, articles where uh, sometimes, unfortunately, athletes might have spent way more than 10000 in one dinner or something. So it's just really hard to see the juxtaposition of both sides. We have a young lady who's uh, been in our financial literacy programs for over seven years. I wish she could come to New York and, and uh, showcase herself, but uh, she's now in the 11th grade, and she'd like to go to Japan. Uh, she just sent me an email that she'll need $5,000. So these are small amounts. Uh, you know, when you think about the sports industry complex, but they are almost insurmountable amounts when you're just dealing with the inner city problems and needs. Well, I certainly am looking forward to you guys being there at the Player Networking event. Again, uh, of course, if you're just tuning in, uh, I'm on the line with Robert Wynn. He's the president of Pro Sports Squared, and it's an official sponsor of PE this year, of course, the 14th annual uh, Player Networking event. And we also have, of course, uh, Troop 21's president and CEO, uh, Guy Troop. Uh, Guy, I'm excited about the fact that, uh, of course, that uh, Bob and, 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 and some of his colleagues perhaps will be there. Uh, I know you've been working hard to find somebody uh, who's operated in that space, uh, particularly when you think about uh, some of the things that they do along the lines of uh, venture capital and private equity and, and bank financing. And to, to bring that into uh, our space uh, is going to be something that I know uh, you'll be happy with when that day comes and, and uh, the players get opportunity to network along with, with, with Bob. Yeah, Bob's done a, a phenomenal job in, in vetting and, and looking at uh, organizations in the New, New York metro area, uh, metro area. We all know that uh, New York City is probably the financial capital of the world, and it would be a shame if we couldn't get uh, well-educated, uh, well-experienced financial experts to the PME to both develop relationships with athletes, uh, share their acumen, uh, and in, in a few cases, maybe even seed uh, an athlete-owned business. So. Uh, I'm excited to make the announcement to the athletes that uh, people from the private equity and uh, venture capital world will be there. Uh, ironically, Bob found a gentleman by the name of Corey Galloway from Legacy Growth Partners that I met years ago, maybe at the first or second P&E he came. And so some 10 years later, He's still in New York doing uh, doing great work, and they're going to be a part of the PNE. Well, I'll tell you what, guys, it's uh, really exciting for me each year that I continue to uh, be a part of uh, the Player Networking event. I get more and more excited about seeing younger men than myself who understand the, the necessity to prepare themselves, and then to see new partners. 
such as Bob to come in and to participate. Uh, there's uh, a bright future on the horizon. Uh, Bob, I'll tell you what, before we take this break, if, if there's some information you can share with us of how someone could uh, contact you or someone in your office uh, if they uh, have an absolutely. interest. Absolutely. Um, we do have a website, prosquaredllc.com. The most efficient way is probably through email, which would be uh, prosquaredllc at gmail.com. That's just P-R-O-S-U-A-R-E-D-L-L-C at gmail.com. And the phone uh, is 608-332-4423. And as uh, Guy Troop has said, we're doing uh, quite a bit of prospecting for the right sorts of business people and financiers to be in place to uh, have a chance to meet with some of these players, uh, some of them even one-on-one, and hear what they're interested in entrepreneurially and business and career development-wise, and see if we can really uh, proactively put them in touch with folks that can help them to move their objectives forward. Um, We're really looking forward to it, and certainly hats off to Guy Troop for having the initiative and the staying power to get to this point, and it's, uh, I think one of the actually uh, most fascinating and um, upside aspects of the Super Bowl being in New York is literally going to be this event. Well, I, I certainly appreciate the fact that you're going to come. You're going to be there. You're excited about it. We're excited about you participating. And so I'll tell you what, Bob, I will be the first one to come over to greet everybody there at your booth. I, as I said, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'll continue to talk about it here on Ray Ellis Sports. Uh, but thank you so much for all that you do and all that you've done and look forward to seeing you in New York City. Okay. I thank you both and uh, certainly look forward to New York. Okay. Be great. All right. Hey, Guy, I tell you what, I'm going to have to talk a little football. I don't want to bore you, so I'm going to let you go. And uh, I think next week you'll be joining me again here on Ray Ellis Sports. That's correct. And, uh, Football isn't boring, but I, I do have some eyes <laughs> to dot and T's to grow. Well, Thanks I, for your time for having Bob and I on the show. I certainly appreciate it. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, of course, you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I want to thank Robert Wynn, the president of Pro Sports Squared. He's an official sponsor for the Player Networking event in New York City. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. 
despise her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine-horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. What matters to me? Judge Anita Brody said, er, time out. Let's hold on for a second there. I'm not sure. There's enough money in the kitty to take care of those guys. There's an awful lot of guys who've received an awful lot of damage, and I'm already not letting you, um, letting you off the hook. You're not telling me everything that you knew or what you didn't know or what you did and what you didn't do. Uh, but mathematically, the numbers aren't adding up, first of all, because I don't see the details. So she wants details. I'm okay with that. I'll tell you what else uh, I want to talk a little bit about. There's some football going on this weekend. And uh, <laughs> if you think about of all the years of professional football, some of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played the game, I don't think that there's ever been the type of duel that you're going to have this weekend. And certainly not when it's on the line. And for as many times as these two men have lined up to play each other. And, of course, we know we're talking about Tom and Peyton. That's all you the first name guys. Once you make it to the point where you're a first name guy, then that's it. You know, so it's either Tom or if you want to call him Brady and, and Peyton or if you want to call him Manny. But I got my man Dougie Mack in here with me. What's up, Ray? And, uh, of course, I got my man Rick on the line. Uh, Rick is What's out up, there. Ray? Rick is enjoying, enjoying that what beautiful up? weather out there in, uh, in California. But uh, uh, let, let me first. I'm, I'm just going to ask Rick because yeah. Doug and I are going to really go, go at it because, you, know, you know, he's rough and he's tough. And it, this is about the NFC. Uh, it's all about know. the <laughs> NFC. The, 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 the Super Bowl is on Sunday well, night. Let, let, let's start out because, uh, of course, my man Rick is a Kansas City guy, and, and, and the AFC is uh, not represented by the Kansas City Chiefs, but they're represented by two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. When you look at this, Rick, and you see these two great quarterbacks who are probably more times than any other great duel been up against each other, how do you see this thing playing out between, of course, Tom and uh, Peyton? Well, first off, Ray, I think it's going to be a matchup of the run game. I think the run game is going to play a big factor in it. I think uh, Denver's going to have to get the ball running. I think they're going to have to run the ball in order for that play action to work. I think Belichick schemed that pretty good. Uh, first time they met, I think he'll scheme it again. I think they've got to run the ball. Um, I'm also siding uh, a little bit with w, uh, Dougie Mack over there. The NFC looks really strong with both those clubs. As Andy told me after the San Diego game, the AFC West is back. That showdown last weekend with San Diego and uh, Denver kind of proved that. But I'm not sure if either one of these teams can match up with uh, either one of the NFC teams right now. But I think in order for uh, Denver to get by New England, I think they've got to run the ball. And I think vice versa, in order for uh, New England to get by Denver, I think they're going to have to run the ball. So I think the the guys up front are going to have to get get a big push. I think those backs are going to have to play well, in my opinion. I think they're going to cancel each other out, Peyton and Tom. 
And I'm sorry, did I hear Peyton there at the end somewhere there? Are you calling for, uh, for of course, Peyton and the Broncos to win that game? I didn't hear that, that ending comment there. I, I, I believe the Broncos are going to win only because of the home field advantage. Uh, but I think they're going to cancel each other out, the two quarterbacks. I think it's going to come down to the front five on both sides and the running backs for both sides. I really think that's going to be the key to that game. Well, by that logic, Rick, then wouldn't it be New England's game to lose? Because if the quarterbacks cancel each other out, what we've seen over the last four to six weeks of the season is New England has become very NFC West in their ability to run the ball. I mean, LeGarrette Blunt. I know that was against a paper tiger defense in, in Indianapolis somewhat, but even still, I mean, uh, again, the last four to six weeks has, has seen that team sort of evolve into a, a ground and pound team. Yeah, they have. They've taken over that. Uh, and I agree with you there, Doug. I just think the home field advantage is going to be the difference in that game. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because, uh, again, I just wrote a little note there about Big Boy Blunt. He does look very good running that football. But it's amazing to me. Here you got two of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played a football game. And we're talking about a running game. And But, but you know, old school football, of which these guys play old school football, the running game has always set up the passing game, except if it's ru- if the running is working. Stay with it. And I think that's what's happened with them. I think they've always used the run game to set up their passing game. But if it's, if it's working, don't change it. Yeah, Stick with yeah, it. Yeah, if it ain't broke. So let's, let's switch over to, to, to the NFC, of course. And, and that's always been the black and blue conference, period. And, and, and just to think about it, I think this is going to be a black and blue game. Because I think there's no doubt about it. Both of them are going to want to kind of, you know, put their will on you by way of running the ball. you got two... I mean, come on, Gore and, and Tufo. I just got to call him Tufo because, you know, I, I like that Tufo. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so, yeah. So Skittles. J- just think about it, man. I mean, do you think they're going to somehow or another find themselves in a, in, a, in a shooting match by passing when you got those two great running backs? Or you think those two running backs are going to fight it out on the field? What would you do, Doug, if it were you? I well, mean, I think it's interesting what Rick said. I mean, I like how he put it on its head there. And, uh, you know, if the – in the AFC, if uh, you know the the quarterbacks are sort of self canceling, and you leave it to the running backs, I guess you could you could almost invert the logic for the NFC because uh, you you go back to the game that was nineteen seventeen in San Francisco when Seattle was down there. I don't know, was it about eight weeks ago, seven weeks ago, and uh, that game came down to one run, one play, Frank Gore fifty one yards, and. Uh, he had an eerily similar, actually, uh, whoever called that game had a good call. I think it was Joe Buck. He, he had a very similar run uh, last weekend against Carolina as well. Uh, kind of felt his way up to the line and then gashed him, and he was he was through. And, um, you know, I think if you look at those two running backs and those running games uh, up front and the way that they like to control the ball on offense, uh, you know, maybe those are self-canceling, and the game comes down to quarterback play. And in that instance, I mean, full disclosure, I'm a born and raised Seattle homer unabashed but trying to take it back and be objective about it, I think the the home field advantage now with the quarterback as the X factor uh, swings to Seattle's side, um, at least you know significantly enough to, to be the difference. Well, unlike when you, at least on paper, when you look at it on paper, and when you look at Denver and you look at New England, I mean, on paper, 
it, it says Denver should win that football game, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, but if you can control the the, the 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 ball, and if you can control their number of series with Legarrette Blunt, and you can put together and string together some nine, twelve, thirteen play drives, you can actually um, neuter Peyton's uh, high powered offense. Somewhat. Yeah, but then again, as as I said, on paper, when you look right. at it, I, I think just personnel wise, that the superior personnel happens to be on. The side of those who were orange. I agree, but now, the, the, the go, personnel includes Bill Belichick. I, I, but, but see, I was going to get to that. But <laughs> but I, let's go back to your guys because when we get back to your guys, of course, your guys being the Seahawks. When you look at on on paper personnel, I mean, there's, I mean, where's the edge? At? I don't know. I don't know. Really, I think those honestly, teams are almost one A and one B. I don't know see, who is better. I, I think the home team wins the game. Because and again, I I, I go and the last time they played, of course, it was 1917. But the last time that New England and and Denver played, it was just as close. It went well, to overtime. Don't forget the last two times, and I'm sure this won't uh, you know be the the uh, the continuation of this trend. But the last two games in Seattle, San Francisco has lost uh, you know combined 72 to 16. I believe yes. is the number on it. Yes. I'm not suggesting Amen. that's going to no. be the case no. here. I I think this is going to be a very close game, and I wouldn't be stunned if San Francisco won the game. Well, I want to I want to I want to kick it back to to Rick only because Rick is very close to to a coach and and Rick is always going to go I think lean in on the side of of the coaching. Do you see particularly when you looking at the Patriots uh it, is that extra advantage? I mean is that trump card really Bill Belichick for them? Do you see that being their trump card? Well, you know, I'm I'm not going to take anything away from John Fox who happens to be a really close friend of Andy's. Um and John Fox himself can can coach as you know, the lights out itself. But what I think about it, just to go back to what uh, Dougie Mack said, I think the big difference also is going to be the pass rush. And I, I think the pass rush of Denver right now, I think they're going to, I think they're going to get to Tom. And um, even with that three-man rush, they were able to, uh, to uh, wreak havoc on Phillip Rivers. And that's the big difference. Now, on, on, as far as, you know, coaches versus coaches, um, I got to tell you, you know, just, just quoting Andy, you know, it, it takes horses to win the race. And, and I think everybody's got good horses in this race. And, uh, you know, players are paid to play, as Andy says, and coaches are paid to win. And there's no doubt that uh, Belichick has uh, done the job on that. So I think he's going to be well prepared. But, again, he's not, he's not out there suited up either. So I think uh, the guys up front, the front five for both teams are going to be the, the key to both of those games. If I can switch over to the NFC, I really think it's just a, what Dougie, Dougie Max said. You read my ma- uh, mind, Dougie, as far as I really think the running game is going to get canceled out. Being an expert linebacker, I think, I think they're going to fill the box on both sides, mm-hmm. and they're going to force Russell Wilson, Wilson to pass and, and, and Kaepernick. Now, that might be the key there a little bit, Kaepernick being that extra running back. But I think once he gets hit a few times by that big secondary in Seattle, I think he's going to be a little bit hesitant of, of putting that ball down and running. And uh, I, I'm picking uh, Seattle to go to the Super Bowl along with Denver. I agree. Okay, uh, Dougie Mack, I mean, we're here in the studios. I, I got to give you uh, close to the last word. I'm sure I'm going to get the last word in, but I, I'm going to say this. Uh, I appreciate Rick's comments, uh, certainly about, you know, coaches don't play the game, but I can tell you this, coaching does make a difference. Oh, yeah. And, and there's no doubt about it. I think oh, P- yeah. I think Pete Carroll made a, a good call last week, you know, third down. Everybody thought he was going to run the ball, and he, he ended up passing the ball. But there is a play that Bill Belichick made a few years ago, and he lost the game. 
well, that's when he decided to, to pass the ball on. Punting instead of, uh, yeah, yeah, against Indianapolis. And, and yeah. the thing about it is yeah. that is a man who plays to win. He's not cautious. He's not going to worry about it. He trusts his players. He knows what they can and cannot do. And I would have a coach like that who's going to trust my talent yep. and, and know that we're prepared for a game. Yep. Uh, do you think Pete Carroll is feeling comfortable going into this game, knowing that he can trust his players based upon the way they performed for him last week? And will that give them an extra edge being at home anyway? I do. I do. And uh, I, I could be wrong on this, but I'm almost 100% certain, certain that, uh, that that third and three uh, pass you're talking about to Doug Baldwin, which was a, I think it was 31 yards. They got him singled up on the outside. That was Wilson's check. That was his read at the line. So he trusted Russell yeah, to make that Yeah, but you have to put him in play. a position where they have an opportunity well, when you call a play that they can check out of it. Right, and, and, and to your point, is he comfortable enough? Well, absolutely. He has been with Russell from day one. Uh, they, they bled him in slowly for the first eight games last season, and then they just went turbo, beat Arizona 58 to nothing, went on some sort of epic run where they were just curb-stomping fools. And now it's, it's backed off somewhat, but Russell has the trust of that coaching staff. And uh, again, that Doug Baldwin pass was not uh, it was a check at the line they knew they had him you know zero coverage um, so you know but I, that's I, again I, but again as I said that's coaching because you can put yeah, him in a position no, where you don't have I'm a big Pete Carroll guy yeah. I'm a big Pete Carroll guy yeah. and that's not just because he's uh, in Seattle I was a I became a fan of his actually at USC I like the way that he em- empowers his players to to impact the game and, and play their game at the same time within within the confines I mean Earl Thomas my my uh, early Hall of Fame prediction favorite player on that defense, um, Earl Thomas is a perfect example of a guy who was almost too athletic and too buzzing about, and Pete reined him in just enough, and now I mean you're seeing an all pro, a perennial all pro, uh, and that's coaching, that's coaching and 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 athleticism and good and good uh, roster building by Schneider the GM. I don't mean to make it all about Seattle, but I will oh, say that's I think okay now because on the on the other know, side somebody experienced something very similar to that themselves, although the coach is not there to reap the benefits. But Vernon Davis got reeled in by one of his by coaches. By Mike Singletary. Which, which, which was benefited his career. Can't do it. <laughs> Can't win. It benefited his Don't career. Don't want to have him. Uh, an awful lot. So I think if I'm not mistaken with the two gentlemen who have uh, joined me here on this show, I think it's clear that certainly Dougie Mack is going with the hometown team. I am. And, and and that's actually a call I would like to say I could make objectively were I not invested. I mean that. I mean, okay. I think Seattle is... is well, what about I, the, I think the home team okay, wins. Okay, so give me something on the AFC side. I think Does the home make team wins both games. Okay, so you're go, Denver's going to... So it's going to be I Seattle so. and Denver. And which is a great matchup. There's yeah. so many layers to that. I mean, AFC West rivalries renewed. Well, we'll have to, Peyton we'll, Snubs Carroll. That's going to be another show, man. On the, <laughs> on the tarmac. Wouldn't get in the plane to listen to the sales pitch. Oh, I mean, there's a wow, lot going on wow. there. And plus, I just hate the Broncos. Well, I got to give a Rick... Sean Lynch. Hey, hey, Sean Lynch. Is that where are you going on there on the on the, uh, on the AFC side, Rick? I got to give you a chance to at least uh, acknowledge who you feel, and you're going to stick with them. Who's going to win that yeah, game? I'm going to stick with the with the donkey. Uh, I'm oh, going with okay. the donkey. Okay. Donkey. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, man. The last thing I could do is pick anybody in orange, man. I just can't do it. You know, it looks like we got about 30 seconds. We're out of here. So, you know, I'll tell I you what. I can't either. I can't either. But I've, <laughs> I've got to go with uh, where I really, uh, you know. If I if I had to put my money down, I'd have to go with the donkeys only at home. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. 
I got to go with Pete Carroll. Who I mean, you like in the Super it's Bowl, in my Rick? Blood. Who, uh, you like, who you like in the Super I, Bowl? Well, I like. I, like I, I see it as a. I, I see it as a ten point win for Seattle. I'd like Ooh. to see. I would like to see uh, Seattle play New England in the Super Bowl. I like. Rick. I think. I think that'd be a great game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're I listening to Rail of Sports. I, I got to end this, Rick. I'm so sorry, man. You have to call us back I next week. There's a defense that can stop Marshawn Lynch right now. All Woo! right, well, I like two four. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll be right back.